Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're doing a biblical balance, freedom in Christ versus servant of Christ. Welcome back, Brian. All right, we're back. We are uh, doing another, this is actually the third podcast we've recorded in a row. We're like, trying to get ahead. We're yeah. doing really well. I'm I'm kind of impressed. I'm the, impressed. What I'm worried about is the quality. And so listeners, loopy. if if the quality suffers. This is on gonna be this, amazing. The, don't even don't even preface it. It's you're, gonna be okay, amazing. I'm sorry, you're right. Never mind, listeners. Totally disregard what I just said. It's gonna said. be amazing. <laughs> high expectations. High is so high. So yeah, the biblical balance series. We're we're jumping back into one of those, right? Yes. Yeah, so this is where a topic has two sides both are biblical mm. both both can be argument can be made for both of the the things mm-hmm. but oftentimes people will come down on one side or the other but it's not necessary yeah there there's like a tension between the two things that the bible says they they even sometimes seemingly contradict each other right, right. Mm-hmm. and i think that you know some people try to use these as ammunition against the faith to say look it contradicts but what we're trying to say is no uh, you don't actually have to believe one or the other or neither you you really can just believe both yeah and balance. what happens is when we go to one side especially like an extreme position, it's easy to stray into heresy. Mm-hmm. A lot of these times, a lot of these positions end up yeah. leading to heresy. Maybe they don't direct, aren't directly heretical, but they lead towards Yeah, them. like you can have a, a wrong belief about something and not be heretical, but if you keep going down that path of thought, only holding on to one instead of both uh, things that the Bible says, then yeah, you'll you'll end up you'll end up far away from yeah. the truth. So let's try to understand how they work intentional with one another. They're both true and helpful for the believer. So today's topic, freedom in Christ versus servant of Christ. Yeah. That's so cool. let's define these fun. concepts and see what the scripture has to say about it. Are we ready to jump right in? I think so. So we've got this point of freedom in Christ, and this is a really good thing for us to hold on to. We have to hold on to this. I'm, I'm even teaching a series called Liberated about freedom in Christ, and it's the idea that Jesus comes directly, uh, I'm sorry, it's the idea that that freedom comes from the Lord, and Jesus is the one who tells us this himself. He right. is the one who even tells us this. Yeah, John 8 says, uh, so Jesus said to the Jews who believed him, if you abide in my words, you are my true disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered them, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. Mm. So this passage is talking about, you know, Jesus is speaking to his followers. Now, there are probably some Pharisees around because there this passage does actually get to a heated debate later on. And mm-hmm. the Pharisees, I think, interject and sort of hijack the discussion. And Jesus directly will later on address those who, who are going to kill him. Mm. Like he says, you are going to try to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he says. That. And so he alludes to the fact that that they are enslaved and they need Jesus to free them. 
And if you abide in his words, the gospel, then, then you'll be free. So they come back and say, what are you talking about? We've never been enslaved. Yeah. We, that was our, that was our history. Right. We as Jews have never been enslaved. So Jesus clarifies by telling them that they're not enslaved to a person, rather they are enslaved to sin. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's trying to help them see who they really are. What they, he's trying to help them see their own nature. And, uh, and they're just thinking, you know, about all these like political realities. They're thinking about their historical past. They're thinking about, uh, their personal experiences. And what Jesus is trying to talk about is the nature of, of their being. Right. They're slaves to sin. We all are, are born slaves to sin nature that, was brought into the world by Adam and Eve. So, yeah, and so they ha- they can be freed from that enslavement, and so it's like the spiritual freedom. Right, we we've been freed from the bondage of sin. So this is a core part of the gospel that we need a savior to free us from sin to live as free people. Yeah, right. That's but what does that mean? Freedom from what? Freedom to be free people. What does that mean? Yeah, I think the the meaning is is clear in the problem, right? If the problem is slavery to sin, then freedom is uh, not being a slave to sin. What what it means is, and this was helpful for me. I, I didn't really understand this until I was in Bible college, when I was understanding the difference between you know uh, having my like free will versus being enslaved to sin, and the the idea is. When you're a slave to sin, you you want to do sin, and, and you really aren't able to do anything other than what you want. Like, people always do what they want, or they do the things that are necessary to get to what they want. Um, but in Christ, when you're free from that, uh, you don't actually have to fall to your temptation, you know? Like, you don't have to give in mm-hmm. to your lusts and desires. You have new desires. Mm-hmm. And so you're free from your old you know, self-centered, prideful, selfish desires. And now you have these new desires to live for how you were made originally, how you were supposed to be living. And that's for God, giving him glory and enjoying the life that he's given you. Yeah. And the problem comes when people abuse their freedom Mm -hmm. in Christ. Do you think it's easy for people to abuse this freedom? Uh, Absolutely. I mean, this is, this is a huge problem and that's why there are texts that, that kind of are on the other side. So we'll get to that in yeah, a second. Yeah, so freedom but, in Christ is biblical. Right. The abuse of freedom in Christ is the problem. Right. Here's what's interesting. <clears throat> this is something that Paul fought on both sides of this issue. Mm-hmm. You know, the Gnostics were a notable group. They focused on the spiritual life. They denied Jesus' humanity, uh, denied salvation through faith alone. Uh, they believed that sin in the body did not matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so they're so, they're abusing freedom. You in can Christ. do whatever you want. Only the spiritual matters. That right. the flesh is basically already trash, is already done, already right. condemned. So you can you can sin with that, however, however you want. You want. Doesn't yeah. matter because it's the crazy. spirit is what can be salvaged from the person. And so Paul says in Romans chapter six, uh, he says, "What shall we say then?" Or do, we, or do we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Yeah, that's right. I think that newness of life is going to be important for us in understanding some of these things. But, you know, the whole point behind what Paul is saying is that your freedom, your freedom is not an excuse to sin. Mm -hmm. Just because you are no longer enslaved to sin does not mean you can just go do whatever you want. In fact, that doesn't make sense because if you go and just sin all the time, you're still a slave. You're not free if you're just running back to sin over and over and over again. If you're just living in it in a lifestyle of sin. That's exactly right. Yeah. Do you think people uh, believe this today or, or feel this way? So do you mean do do people like abuse the freedom yeah. in Christ today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've seen it in churches. I mean, I, I remember. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and there's so many different ways that we do it. And, and what I have found is, you know, people, people will want to uh, to live out something uh that they that might be you know that is sinful and they want to have freedom in christ for that but they don't want other people to have freedom Mm. in christ for things that they think aren't are are sinful and Mm. so it's like it it becomes this really subjective thing that's based on whatever you really want It's like my sins are forgiven but then i hold you to a really high standard yeah yeah i don't think a lot of people out loud would say um (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I would say this, but but I think they're living this way mm-hmm. because a lot of people have the attitude, oh, well, I sinned, man, darn, shoot, God, forgive me, and then they kind of move on. Just like we talked about in our repentance series, yes. there's, there's our repentance episode, there's, there's no real transformation that's happening. Mm-hmm. And so if someone is not really, you know, walking in the newness of life, trusting the Lord to sanctify them, not meaning that we're perfect right, by no. any means, but they just have a flippant attitude about sin. Is that person even a believer? Well, it's like when you're tempted and you're tempted and you're like trying to fight it and then you're finally like, you know what? Jesus will forgive me for this. And then you just give in. Right. Like, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't know your salvation like yeah. in that moment. But what I am saying is that that is a clear abuse of the freedom yes. of Christ. Yes. Um, you're just, you're just uh, taking for granted the forgiveness that Jesus gives you. That's and right. That's not love for Christ. Yeah. And I think that my next question is what are the dangers of living like this? And I think, I think that is one of the dangers is, you know, us, our, our, uh, true salvation kind of being in question in the sense of, are we even a true believer if we're, continuing just to walk in disobedience away from the Lord. And and maybe we are, maybe we're, we've, we've backslidden, right. we're walking far from the Lord, but we can't continue to walk like that. We need to be brought close you to, to the back. Lord. Right. If you don't come back, that's, I mean, then the relationship that, you know, that's first John, that's the first John's pretty clear about that. And, um, you know, but that's why this whole, that's why we're even talking about this is because the Bible addresses this. And in first Peter two sixteen, he says, live as people. This is great. This verse is, is, is the kind of key, you know, between these two points, he says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Yeah. He really hits <laughs> it on the head that, that we're using our freedom to say, Oh, it's okay. I can do whatever I want. God's going to forgive me. Well, he's saying you're literally covering up for evil in your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And that is not what the freedom of Christ 
is meant to do in our lives. Yeah, the gospel is not a free ticket to sin. The gospel is a radically changed life. It's a free and heart. ticket to live for the Lord. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Well, and that's where he says you're living as servants of God. So we are called to live as servants of God or servants of Christ. The freedom in Christ is free from sin, free from the old life, free from death, but it's not freedom to live however we want. And I think people miss that part of it. They say, well, I'm free. I can just do, I can live however I want. So, so I want to, I do, I do not disagree with that, but I want to, I want to bring another kind of aspect to that idea. Cause I think when you look at scripture and you look at places like even in Ecclesiastes and, and places in the Psalms, you see this idea that when your desires are focused on God, you actually do get to do whatever you want, but, but it's because your desires are different. You're, well, your desires are seeking to glorify God and not yes. the self. And so yes. I should say, what I'm speaking no, of... No, you're right. You're right. We're it's not just, free to do whatever we desire in our heart for, to, for our glory. Only. Right, right. right. It's, it's, a new, it's a new desire. It's like a new set of desires and new affections. And the affections are not only on yourself. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, uh, and that's that freedom. Yeah, no, I do, I do think Scripture talks about the Lord... Uh, gives you the desires of your heart when those desires are reflecting his glory, you know? Yes. And so, yeah, so we, we move from one extreme, the, ab- the abuse of freedom in Christ, to the other extreme, which is servant of Christ. Now, you know, mm-hmm. this may seem like a no-brainer because we are called to be servants of Christ, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's so, this is actually hard because there's so many different places where we are called most of the time in the New Testament use the word doulos, you know, or right. servant or slave even. I mean, it's a pretty intense word. And so like one is Second uh, Timothy 2, 15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And then you've got uh, Colossians 3, 23 through 24. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Mm. So the both of these are just a, a couple of the many texts where we are called workers or servants or whatever yeah. of the Lord. Yeah, so, so we are to clear. be servants of God. That is important. But mm. I do think we can abuse that position. You know, Paul faced off with another group called the Judaizers who had infiltrated the church in Galatia. Most, uh, and much of the book of Galatians deals with this heresy. The Mm -hmm. Judaizers came in and they had come after Paul and were preaching a, a new gospel. And in fact, it was a twist on on the gospel. They wanted the Gentiles to observe Jewish laws and customs. Circumcision was one of the big ones. There were other... Fest, festivals and laws and customs and things, but <clears throat> the religious feasts and things, but it was mainly about circumcision. Right. And Paul says that they were adding this to the gospel. Right. Saying that to be saved, yes, you must believe in Jesus, but you also must be circumcised. What is that doing? That's adding a works based thing to That's the exactly gospel. That's right. And you're basically saying Jesus, the, the sacrifice of Christ is not enough for my salvation. Right. You're saying Jesus doesn't really purify me. I still need these ceremonially ceremonial uh, purification rites. I still need to follow these ceremonial things to make me distinct from the world where, where Paul is saying, no, in Christ we are sanctified. We are made distinct from yeah, the world. Yeah, it's like, it would be like if we were adding baptism to a salvation saying you must be baptized right. to be saved. That's right. You know? It is good to be baptized, 
we need to be baptized for the obedience uh, of Christ, the symbolism, the unity, you know, all those things. But it's not necessary to be saved. Yeah, baptism does not produce salvation. Just baptism like if is you, a, a overflow. It if follows you wanted to be a, a Jew, a good Jew, you would be circumcised. Right. But knowing that that's not salvific in any way. Right, right. But that's what the Judaizers were were preaching, that they must be saved. So Paul is preaching the true gospel, the gospel of faith, right? Knowing mm-hmm. that we, we add anything it makes the gospel not the gospel of That's Jesus right. Christ. Yes. And so what he says in Galatians 5, 1, for, the, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying Jesus has set you free to be free. Okay, duh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but why would you be set free and then choose to willingly go back into slavery? And so Christians are to live by faith as children of the promise. There's a whole section in Galatians that talks about Hagar and Sarah. We don't have time to get into all that, but the study of that is interesting because Paul is really making an argument as to why we are freed people because we are the children of the the promise. promise. Freed from slavery, freed forever to live as people of faith. So this is only accomplished in Jesus for freedom. We are freed in Jesus so the Christian life is one of freedom, yes, but not for freedom's sake. That's important. Right. This is not a personal freedom, like we talked about earlier, to walk in sin, to do as we want for our own glory. Yeah, yeah. Our freedom has a purpose. This is not okay. So, like in, in some other faiths, there are the ideas that you know, if you do these things, you end up becoming like other faiths <laughs> really teach that you end up becoming like your own gods. Okay, mm-hmm. and so you become your own ruler. Christianity does not teach that we get to become our own gods doing whatever we want. Right. right? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about being freed from that. Like, we're being freed from trying to be our own gods, which is an an impossible thing because there is only one God. And so we're freed from that thinking and brought back into a love for God right? so that we can live out love for God and newness of life. It's, it's, it's amazing how it all goes together. That's right. And so we are, our freedom is to be used as servants of Jesus. Mm-hmm. We are using our freedom to serve God, but we cannot fall into the trap of making service an idol. Yes. That's where this gets dangerous. So how, how do we fall into that trap as Christians today? Well, I think that we basically try to, I know for students especially, but I think this translates over to adults, you know, going to church Mm. becomes like whether or not you're a good person, Mm -hmm. whether or not you are a good Christian is if you go to church and, and look like you're you know, good. If you do enough stuff, read your Bible enough. And so it's, it's a lot of your motives. And this is where it gets super sneaky because you can have one person who is faithful to the church, faithful to read their Bible for all of the right motives. And you can have somebody who's, who does the exact same things with the wrong motives. Right. And, and they are disastrously different. Well, it ends up being somebody who's trying to please God or earn God's love. It's yes. like we're trying to earn our salvation by what we do. And that is very dangerous. Yes. Because that is not the gospel. Because you cannot, listen, Brian, 
we cannot get any more love right. than what God has already given us. Right. We cannot get any more grace or any more mercy. There's not a different level that if I am a super Christian, if I'm a missionary, if I'm a pastor, God is going to love me more. If I if I spend every moment, every hour serving the Lord, he's going to love me more. Right. That's not true. Not we have the all the love of God available to us right now. Yeah. The way I talk about this, I, this is something the Lord's been helping me like think through the simple ways to communicate this is... When we live for God, that's, you know, the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. Living for God is not earning his love. It's it's just loving him back. It's appreciating that love. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's like when you when you have a friend that mm -hmm. that loves you and and you're going to you're going to appreciate their their love, their sacrifice, and you might help them with something. Right. Or you might you might find a way to encourage them or love them because they love you. Right. And so it's, it's sort of like a reciprocal thing. That's right. If you get into a friendship where you feel like you have to do mm. things to earn their love, that's not really a friendship. Right. You know, that's exactly right. We have to watch out for that in our in our real friendships, and but but in well, I say real in our in our human friendships, but especially in our relationship with God, because that's you know that's not faith. Does pride factor into this at all? I would say a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the. It's pride is easy. always pride is always a part of idolatry. I think. Oh yeah, I fully agree. And I was thinking about this uh, as we were preparing for this. I think with the the freedom of Christ, uh, you know, being on all the way on the freedom of Christ side, there is this temptation to just give into your lusts, mm -hmm. right? And so there's these these selfish desires, mm -hmm. lusts, and things like that. Then on the on the servant side, if you're just all the way on the servant side, it's this it's this pride thing. It's like I'm I'm gonna be you know good enough, or maybe you think you're not good enough and you have to be, but that's still pride. You're wrestling with all of that, and when you let go of the selfish lusts and you let go of the pride, you find yourself coming right to the middle where you are becoming more like Christ. Right, exactly. Where you are humble um, and and loving. And just living out these desires that you have for the Lord now. That's right. Yeah, I think one of the dangers of living in this extreme service of God, where you're making things an idol, is be, being the danger of being like a checklist Christian. Yeah, yeah. Where I've got to check off all these things, and if I don't, then somehow I'm a bad Christian, or I've not fulfilled my my duty. You know, mm -hmm. God wants us to do the good works he's prepared for us. God wants us to right. walk in discipleship and walk in those things. But this is a matter of the heart, yeah. not a matter of doing. Well, you know? Titus 2, it's one of my favorite passages. You know, that's why one of my children is named Titus. Mm -hmm. Because in that, you see the gospel clearly in Titus 2, clearly displayed how Jesus comes, he arrives, and he rescues us from our sins, and he creates for himself a people zealous for good works. Mm -hmm. And to me, that just makes sense. It's like, here I am, I'm rescued from my sin, and now I have this zeal, this new right. desire to live this out. So I'm not, I'm not just checking a list because it's my job. I'm, I'm zealous to do these things that my heavenly Father has prepared for me, and that's how we should seek to to understand these things. Mm -hmm. So I think you know, with that checklist, there's this idea of of being just 
legalistic, mm. right? And you think that's a, a big danger? Yeah, I think we can be tempted to become a, a, a Pharisee, a mm. Pharisaical Christian. You know, I, I always want to remind people the Pharisees started from a good place. There was a lack of, you know, there was a period where there were no prophets. There were, you know, God was silent. And so the Pharisees rose up as a as a part of Jewish culture to remind people to stay faithful to the the word of God, to stay faithful to the Torah and the prophets. So yeah. their heart was right. The problem is they got way far over in the servant of God, too far over, and they started make started defining and adding and making these laws to where Jesus himself came back and said, "No, no, you've misinterpreted God's yeah. heart." Of this law, that's 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 exactly why we're doing these episodes about biblical balance because it's so easy to have a, a right desire mm-hmm. to be faithful to the Bible, but if you are not balancing Scripture with Scripture, mm-hmm. if you are not believing all right. that the Bible says, you will end up believing something unbiblical, right. just like the Pharisees And they did. ended up with the self-righteous service of God, and it became vanity and pride. You know, I, the greatest example is when they were tithing off of things they didn't have to tithe off of, you know, their their herbs and their mint and yeah. things that God never asked them, well, look how spiritual we are. We're tithing off of, <laughs> off of our mint. Like, God doesn't care about that. God's like, okay, whatever. Okay, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they're like saying, if you want to be a good, a good Jew person you need to do the things that I do mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. you know on on the Sabbath I sit there and I try not to breathe and I try not to move yeah, you know yeah. and it's it's very um it's just a trap that we as Christians can can fall into and so we've got to keep Christ as our example that's the way we don't fall into that right, right? Jesus did not think of himself uh as you know he, he thought of himself in humility and served everyone. I mean, it's the, the God of the universe. I know, yeah. Who had a humble uh, mindset, a humble attitude. He said, I didn't, I didn't come to be served. I came to, to serve. serve. And that kind of attitude keeps things in check, right? So we have Philippians 2. 2, 5 through 8. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Mm. So Jesus here, living out perfectly what it looks like to be a free son of God who is also serving God. Yeah. I think this is a, the perfect example of of remembering, you know, I was talking to some students and they asked the question like, wait, so God is like our boss, but he's also our father? Like, how can he be both? And I was like, well, consider like people who are in business with their family. I mean, think about a dad who's who owns a business and let's pretend you're the son working that business and let's pretend that you guys love each other perfectly. And so you, your dad is still the boss. And so he's making the ultimate decisions, but you as his son have like ridiculous freedom in that. And you get to do so much in the business, but you're doing it all for your father's business. This is, this does make sense. Right. We just have to think about it a little Mm -hmm. bit. And that's what Jesus did. He did it perfectly and we get to benefit from it. Right. Exactly. And I just think that Jesus is where we find the balance. Like you said, he is, he knows his position. He knows who he is. He's confident in that, 
but yet he knows he's going to be a servant of mm-hmm. all. And so he puts himself humbly under everyone. Yeah. And so I just, I think that's got to be our our attitude, right? That's how we find balance in this is by looking to Jesus. So, yeah, I think that's a hundred percent correct. And, you know, the, the question is, is, and I think we've kind of mentioned this a lot, but like, why is it so important? I mean, this is like vitally important to find balance between these two positions. Would you agree with that? Yeah. If we don't, like we said, you, you'll fall into, into heresy. We need to walk in the freedom of Christ while not abusing it, and we need to be servants of God but not walk in self-righteousness. Yeah, We have to find the balance between these two positions. And the balance is knowing we are sons of God, heirs just like Christ, but not living in a prideful way. We are to be exuding grace to all. Yeah, that's right. And so Luke 14, I love you've got this here, and, and, it's, and it's awesome. This is the whole passage of Luke 14, yeah. and he kind of just, when I read this, I was like, wow, here it is. Here, Here's the way to treat other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And you've got some really good handles on this, three different points from Luke 14 to help us see how to live in balance with this freedom and servanthood that we have. So the first one is the gospel compassion should rule our heart. Mm-hmm. Gospel compassion should rule our heart. So do you want to read that? Yeah, so this is Luke 14, starting in verse 14. It says... Verse 1. Chapter 14. Oh, chapter 14, verse 1. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) One Sabbath when he was to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And the Lord responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then they took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. So there was a man who had a, had a disease, mm-hmm. had this uh, thing, a dropsy. I don't, I don't know what that is, maybe, maybe convulsions or passing out or something. It's listed as something else in another version. Yeah, translation. So. But... But, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but it was serious. <laughs> yeah, Jesus uses this as an opportunity to tell them, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? You say we can't do anything on the Sabbath. Right. That if I drag a stick or if I move this rock from here to there, yeah. that I'm breaking the law. And Jesus said, is the gospel, compa- it basically is, is compassion with the heart of the gospel, not what is supposed to rule our hearts. That if I see a man in pain that needs my help, I should help him. Right. That is not the law. Mean doesn't mean that you can't. It's to take a break from work, right? Take a break from your well, job to honor I, the Lord. But if someone is in need, we should be there to help them. And, and I love this because I, I think a lot of people read this passage and they think, yeah, even Jesus thinks it's okay to like bend the rules a little bit to do the, to do something kind. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus didn't bend the rules at all. He followed them perfectly. His point is, you guys aren't understanding the rules. Right. He's saying, you don't get it. The rules were written in such a way to help you and protect you from working yourselves into a grave. Right. But even in the Old Testament law, there are provisions for pulling, that's why he even says that, mm-hmm. pulling an ox out of out of a hole and doing things like that. And that's what he's saying, that's what I'm about to do. And then right. he heals this dude. And it's right. like, oh, you know, it's amazing. So if we keep the gospel 
and especially gospel compassion in, in, in framework of freedom in Christ and servant of Christ, mm-hmm. it will help to center us and balance us on what we, sh- what we should be about. Because that's exactly what Jesus said. He holds the law and the grace, the gospel, the grace of the gospel intention together in this passage. I love it. Yeah, it's great. So the second thing he said is consider others greater than yourself. So immediately after this, he tells them this parable. You want to read it for us? Yeah. It says, now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone, I love that. He like sees something and he immediately tells them a parable about it. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Here's the point. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So you need to consider your others greater than yourself. And I love how Jesus does this parable, and it is so simple. It's about where you sit at the dinner table. Right. Like for us, like do not choose the head of the table. Um, don't just go to the place of of pride. Don't assume that you're you get to that sit. important. Yeah. Yeah. Because because then if you think you're as the most important. Who's going to, how can, how can God lift you up any higher than that? Yeah. I already think you're that that awesome. Yeah. I think this really speaks to just the attitude of Jesus where he knows his position, but he doesn't, he doesn't lead from position, right? He leads from a place where he serves people. And I think, you know, thinking about leadership books that I've read and thinking about great CEOs and things of in business, they never they never lead from position. Right. They earn your respect and your love based on who they are and how they serve you and serve the company and serve the people around them. And then you will honor them based because they have considered others, everyone else, as important, uh, more important than themselves. Yeah. And actually, the more you lead that way, the higher people respect your position. Right. I, it's such an interesting thing. Like, it's fun to see people who love and respect somebody just because they're they're close friends and then find out that this person is somebody important. Right. You, know? you don't and walk in like, and say, I'm the CEO of so-and-so company. Right. You better listen to me. Right. You know? it's, and then what you do is you end up respecting this person, like, so much more because right. you realize, wow, this person's so humble. Right. I, I just want to do whatever they tell me to do. Right. And um, and in this, we find ourselves being able to live out freedom because we we can be free from our sins, thinking of others more than ourselves, but we're also able to live as servants it's in like, that freedom. It's like if you're somebody who's famous and you go to eat at a restaurant or you yeah. go to eat somewhere, you can act like a jerk and be like, don't you know who I am? Right. I should get this seat. I should get, I should get this service. Or and or you can go in there and say and act like a like a normal person, yeah. <laughs> and people will respect you more. Yeah, you can love them. You can leave a big tip. You can you can do all the things that you should do, and people will love you and respect you even more by not acting like a jerk. Yeah. Well, and that that's our the third point of of living this out. It's to love and serve everyone. And so he tells a, another parable. Yeah, it says in verse twelve, he said also to the man who had invited him. 
When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Mm. Now, this is one of those things. Jesus is not saying, right. if you have a birthday party, don't invite your friends. Right, right, right. <laughs> what right. he's saying he's is... being extreme to make a point. Our attitude here, if, if we are just nice and loving to people that are on the same level as us. So if I'm nice and caring to you, I invite you to... Uh, an event, my birthday, I invite mm-hmm. you to whatever, you're going to feel obligated to repay me and to invite me to your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I buy you a gift. You're going to feel obligated to buy me a gift. Right. But what we should do is seek to love other people, regardless of whether they can repay us. That's right. Regardless of their status, regardless of who they are, a genuine believer, a genuine Christian is going to love people, not for what they can do, not for what they can repay, but just as a person that God loves too. And so here, here is how I think that this displays this idea of service and freedom. So, so when you serve this way, you're serving without expectation of repayment, yes. right? So you, you do not expect anything in return. That's true service. And you're able to do that because you are free in Christ. You already have everything you could ever need. You don't need them to repay you. So why would you expect that? You are free in Christ to serve like Christ because you already have everything in Christ. And so that's why we're able to love and serve everyone. And and as we walk in our freedom and service in Christ and to Christ, we, we are basically filled up and, and, and energized to be able to keep doing this. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's what we have to do. We have to look to Jesus as our example. My, my biggest kind of personal takeaway from this is if we would look to Jesus and act how he acted, we would we would be able to understand what the balance of these two things means. Yeah. For me, it's just looking at Jesus and, and remembering he's the son of God, and he makes us, like you said, co-heirs with him. I can't live differently than he did. Right. You know, if I'm a co-heir with him, like he's the king of the universe. He makes me a king mm. with him. So I have to be a king like him. That's right. And so I don't get to walk around. I've even talked about this recently. I don't get to go into Walmart and be like, hey, peasants, you know, like, <laughs> dude, like you know, that's not that's not what it means to be free in Christ. Um, but serving, being a servant of Christ. Well, and this and this means yeah. that we don't we don't. Christians should not demand, or even even if you have a right to claim, right. it's not always good and helpful to claim that right. Jesus could have walked in oh my and goodness. said, I'm at the head of this table, yeah. you know, but he's saying no one, you know, the greatest example of, of humility is when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. No, none of the disciples right. wanted to wash feet because that was the lowliest job. I, right. I, don't you know, I'm Peter, I'm right. Paul, I'm, I'm John, I'm yeah. not going to wash these guys' feet. Right. Jesus is like, hey. I will wash your feet. Yeah. And so it's knowing our position with the Lord, but also knowing that our, our attitude should be love and service for everyone. Yeah. Is this, have you ever struggled or you helped someone that struggled in this area in one of these areas? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think like the claiming of rights sort of thing and just, you know, being like, well, I can do this. I'm allowed to do this. And it's like, you know, there's a passage we didn't even talk about where it says, you know, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. Mm. And, uh, and that's a really helpful thing to remember. It's like, yeah, you, you are allowed to do that, but is that really going to be a good thing? Thing right I now? can claim this right, mm-hmm. but is that 
is that good and helpful and wise? Is that good for, is that really f- for the intentions that God has in this moment, you know? Right. And so that's, that's good. really good. And and that's how, yeah, I've, ha- I've had to talk with people, especially students. This is, you know, cause they're just growing up. They're, they're having to figure out life in general and all of these principles they hear and they, especially students who really want to live for God. Like they're trying really hard and, uh, and they, and they kind of oscillate back and forth. And it's like, let me help you, you know, stay right here. Right. In this lane. If you fall too far to the servant of God side and everything hangs on that, when you fail mm-hmm. to serve God oh, you're or you, yeah, right. You're, everything is just destroyed. You're like, I'm a terrible Christian. I've, I've had to help so and, many students. And you're doubting your salvation, yeah. you know, those types of things. And so I've experienced that myself. And I, and I think that's an important you know, thing that we've got to help people with. Yeah, I would say, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna say, do our kids struggle with this? Mm-hmm. I, I think so. What I have seen, and you tell me if if you have seen this too, I've seen like if I've seen kids who are just like sinning, right? They don't they don't they're just sinning. I normally don't find them thinking like, well, I'm free in Christ, so I'm gonna right. do whatever I want. Actually, what I normally find is people who just don't care, mm-hmm. or I find kids who are believers who are overwhelmed with guilt because they're because they. Th- Oh, they almost feel like they have to earn what they've been given. You know, uh, what do you think about? Yeah, that? as if they've as if they've screwed up. So now all hope is lost. Right, right. You know? And I think we have to help our kids. Uh, some of this comes back to parenting. Like, mm-hmm. do our kids know that we love them no matter what they do? Right, unconditionally. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Parents, we've got to deal with these things in ourselves. I know that. I know that there's been. Um, people that I've known and, and myself has struggled with this. We put ourselves on sort of a performance basis with God. Mm. And so then it translates to our spouses, to our kids, to everybody. We're, we're putting everybody on a performance basis. And if you don't live up to some sort of expectation that I have or, or whatever, then, then our relationship can be damaged. Right. And that's, that's, that's bad. It can damage our relationship, and it can actually affect people's relationship with God. Right. It, it makes them think that that's the way it is with Him too. Yeah, you got think about this. The way your kids will think about God, mm-hmm. it oftentimes begins with how they think about you. And you, yeah, you want to help them have right understandings of God, not have to especially overcome. us, especially us dads. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Our, that's kind of scary, fathers. isn't it? It's very scary, and that's why we have to be so humble with our kids. Um, we have to be serious. We have to do the things that God's called us to do. Yeah. That's another, that might be another biblical Yeah, exactly, so, yeah. <laughs> we won't get but into that. I, I think we got to understand our kids' personalities as well because yes. they're going to struggle in one in one way or another, and they're, they're all different, right? Amen. They are very, very different, and they are completely different from the youngest of ages. And so we've got to You may have a kid that. that's like a rule follower, you got to be careful that they don't fall into like a legalism or you may have a kid that is like, like you said, apathetic and doesn't care. You know, yep. they may, they may really gravitate towards, I can just do whatever I want, you right. know? And I think we got to come back and help them find the balance in this and understanding that scripture speaks to both of these things. Right. Scripture calls us to be servants and it, and it, and it speaks to our position with the Lord and that we are free in Christ. And we need to speak biblically about both of these things, understanding that both of these things hold together much better, much a much more biblical position is to hold both of these things yeah. in tension together. We, we have to believe all that the scriptures say. I mean, Jesus, I'm, I'm saying that because Jesus says this to the, to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's been really helpful for me to keep in my mind. I want to believe all that the scriptures say. 
And so we, we have to remember that extreme positions can end in heresy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can lead you away from God. And, and we need to stand on the orthodox truth and be unwavering that, that there are things we need to find balance with. Yeah, yeah. There are those things that we must always stand tr- you know, on, on truth. Yes. And there are things that there is no balance. That's just the way it is. Right. But there are things in Scripture, like we talk about in these episodes, that have a, a balance to them, where there's two things that we hold in tension together. And it's important that we, we know that, that we need to live as servants of Christ. We are called to do that every day. But knowing that we are children of God walking in the freedom of Christ. Amen. That's that's it, man. And so we need to walk in the balance that is that is here from the scriptures. That's right. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the Bible telling us these things because otherwise we would just be figuring it out on our own and we would have no idea how to how to uh, really hold on to these things. And uh, you know, we don't have to live in the world where Twitter is what tells you what's right. Mm. You know. That's a ridiculous way to live. Or what we think, even. Oh, yeah, heart what, is, what I heart think. is deceitful. We've got to turn back to God's Word. When you read something in the Bible, stop believing, and it contradicts what you believe, stop believing what you believe and believe what the Bible says. Right. Even if it says two seemingly different things, believe both of them and find the balance as you do. That's right. So, all right, well, I love these series. Yeah, personally. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, we're going to have more of these throughout you know, kind of sprinkled in. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. sprinkled in. We love talking about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We hope you love listening. Let us know what you uh, enjoy hearing from us, the things that have been helpful for you and your families, things that maybe you want to hear more about. Yeah, give us um, your feedback. Yeah, we want to know. Yeah, F4L at org is our email. You can also find us on Facebook, and I'll answer pretty quickly. Brian, maybe like a week later, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, if you texted me, that'd be different. If you said, give, give him your phone number. I don't know who's listening. <laughs> Find me on our website and email me. And there you then go. I'll give you um, my yeah. phone number. There yeah. No, go. we would we would love to hear from anybody with feedback or episode ideas. That's right. Uh, we just uh, want to know that you're that you're out there that we're encouraging and that we're helping. Yeah. And uh, we would love to hear from you. Yep. So thank you all for listening, and, and we'll, we'll see, see you next you. time. <laughs>